welcome to The Cinephiles, where this week we are not jumping into a great film. We are not exploring its themes, its history, its filmmaking, and we will have no idea what influence it has on us today because we are just <laughs> sitting here with good friend of the show, Scott Mance, and we just thought we would talk a little bit about movies in general. Scott, welcome to a special episode of The Cinephiles. Steve, John, this is just like a conversation we would be having whether we were on this podcast or not. Truth. Just to talk about movies. Favorite conversations for all three of us. Yeah, and we're doing this because uh, we're transitioning over to another server, so we wanted to put out some kind of content for you all, and we hope this conversation tides you guys over uh, right. until next week for when we drop part two of the Civil War. Um, so we asked Scotty to come by and have a conversation with us about movies and about being on the Cinephiles. Cinephiles, I'm telling you, so the first time we did the Cinephiles, we talked about Wrath it, of Khan. Was it Khan or was Wrath it? Of Khan. Okay, okay. It was Sorry, Wrath of Khan, and then we did Blade Runner. Yes. Okay, and then and then the Opus. No, then we did Cl well, Close Encounters. Encounters. Close Encounters. Then we did 2001. And then 2001. Which was the Opus. And right. then after 2001, I think it was you, Steve. Yep. You said, "Come up with a movie that is not science fiction." Right. And I thought, okay, let me think about this. And then it hit me because mm -hmm. I know you are a Beatles fan, John. Yes. And I went, wait a minute. And this is actually a great movie, a movie that Roger Ebert dubbed as the Citizen Kane of jukebox musicals. <laughs> it was The Beatles, A Hard Day's Night. And leave it to us on the cinephiles to turn an 87-minute movie <laughs> into a three-hour conversation. Really was. We do have skills in that area. Speaking of, speaking of which, so Yesterday is coming out. Yes. Have either of you seen it yet? I saw it twice. I've seen it once, and I'm going to see it again Monday night. Me too. Yep. Oh, so, great. Am I going to like it? Uh, you go, John. I will say that you are, and we're not allowed to give a full review because of the embargo and stuff, but I will say you will like, you. if you're a Beatles fan, you will like it. If you like the Richard Curtis movies, hmm. you will like it. If you are a person who's looking to see a more straightforward type of romantic comedy, blah, 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 you might not like it as much. Uh, but for me... I found myself smiling through the whole movie, laughing through the whole movie, and there's a scene near the end of the movie that oh. broke me in half. Oh my gosh! No, as oh. a Beatles fan, broke me in half. Mm. Okay, so so, John, I I like the movie a lot. So the premise mm. is that that there's this glitch in the world, right. yeah. and this aspiring musician uh, played by Ramesh yeah. Patel, Patel. Uh, he is somehow spared the effects of this worldwide glitch. And so he is uh, uh, recovering from a, an accident, a bike accident, and he is the only person on earth who remembers the Beatles. Right. No one else remembers the Beatles. The Beatles did not exist. Takes place in today. Yeah. Right. So the question is, how could today even look like it does today? Well, that's the that that's the. Mm. Have we watched the trailer over and over again now? Yeah. Because the Beatles didn't just influence music. The Beatles the Beatles influenced everything. Yeah. Fashion, they influenced pop culture, fashion, film. culture. They gave the Beatles music. gave a voice to a generation yeah. that did not have one. Right. And and it just built from there. So, okay, once you get past that, which is a, a suspension of disbelief that's easy to do. Mm -hmm. So, the premise of the film is so he starts recording the music of the Beatles and passing it off as his, but he has a crisis of conscience. He feels really guilty about it. Right. Uh, but the the that concept, that premise is brilliant. Yeah. It's never been done. It is a completely original idea. It's not a sequel. It's not a reboot. Right. It's not a it's not a prequel. It's not based on a, a Star Wars movie or a superhero movie. 
So as long as the movie is focusing on that, I I, I thought it was really great. Uh, the Richard Curtis wrote the screenplay, and Richard Curtis wrote and directed the mother of all romantic comedies, Love Actually. Love Actually. Um, when the movie is being a romantic comedy, I felt like it's been done. Okay. Okay. I, I felt like you have this phenomenal premise. Why are you spending all this time on a romantic comedy mm. when you have so much potential to look at this world without the Beatles? Uh, I like the film a lot. On a scale of one to ten, I give it an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt like when it was when it was the romantic comedy stuff, it, it it's that part had been done, and I felt. Like it, it was a really, really, really good movie that that could have been great. If we could have a spoiler discussion, we'd have a a, a bigger debate about. When's the that. embargo? When's the embargo? Uh, after it drops, after like two days before it comes out. Yeah, it comes when, out the twenty yeah. uh, sixth. Oh yeah, no, we can't. All right, so well, here's the other thing, Johnny. Yeah. Um, the scene that you're talking about, not a spoil, I'm not yeah, yeah, spoiling yeah. it. Yeah. That scene. Wow. You're either gonna love that scene or, or you're hate, it. hate that, which because I some loved people it. hated it, and I I, loved I it. could not believe yeah. that people hated the yeah. scene. You'll know exactly what it is, Steve, when, yeah, you, when see you see it. it. But it is a scene like I. It really got to me. Yep. It affected me. It gave the movie a massive amount of profound depth that nobody, nobody saw this yep. moment coming. When it no happened. one, yeah. When it's leading up to it, you're like, "What's going? Where's it? Where's this oh, going? When this scene happens, you certainly piqued my curiosity. Your yeah. jaw, seriously, your jaw will mm-hmm. hit the floor, mm-hmm. and you will gasp in in disbelief. But I loved it. But I was talking to a friend of mine back east who hated that part. Yeah, she hated that. I part. I can't. I I can't believe that you're a Beatles fan and hate. Like usually, I'm open to everyone having their own interpretation of objective nature. But this, in with this, I will say that if. <laughs> You cannot be an authentic Beatles fan and dislike this scene. I, I completely agree. And Steve, when you see this and you see this moment that we're talking about, yeah. it is going to change the way you see the movie. Yeah. And it's going to give you a lot of uh, the more you love the Beatles, it will yeah. make you think a whole lot about the, uh, let's just say, the effect that being being a Beatle had yeah. on those four guys. Yep. There's something you said earlier because I can't talk, respond at all right, about right. this movie because, of course, I haven't seen it. But um, which is that it's so interesting when there's a movie that has kind of multiple tracks going on, and like it sounds like in Yesterday there is the Beatles importance of the Beatles mm-hmm. singer songwriter music track, and then there's the romantic comedy track, mm-hmm. and it's interesting when you're watching a movie where it keeps going back to the track you care less about, and it's sort of, like like one of the ones I was trying to, there's, there was one that I can't think of at this moment, mm-hmm. but one of the ones I know, I don't know if you've watched, watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which- Yeah, oh, I, that's a great show. Which I, I like it, I like it a lot, yeah. um, but the track that I like is the stand-up, I want to be in the stand-up comedy world. I want to be, see Lenny Bruce, and I love that era, yeah. and see yeah. the behind the scenes and the TV, and how does she become a comedian? And I don't care that much about her relationships and her family as much as I love Tony Shalhoub, who is a genius. Mm-hmm. But like I and, and it's so interesting. She's like, no, go back, go back. You just left. But yeah, I want to be over there. That that is a great point. Mm-hmm. That is it. And the exact reaction that you have with M- Mrs. Maisel, at which I which I love the show, and I completely agree. To be a, a woman, a stand up comic yeah. in the sixties, mm-hmm. uh, th- that stuff is great. The family stuff, the dramedy stuff with the with the family and the, the and they're separated all talented husband. People. It's 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 all good. Yeah. But but that's the part that where I just like I, I felt like it was something I hadn't seen before. 
See, and I would argue that without those relationships, you don't have her jokes. Totally. You don't have her comedy. You don't have the foundation of where her comedy comes from. So although it may bother you to go back to that track, that track is super necessary I, I totally for you agree. to enjoy no. the other thing. And I think the same thing with the with Yesterday. I think that romantic comedy aspect... And by the way, I, I think it's something that hasn't been done before because of their relationship. And so I think that's the uniqueness to that. And I think with, with um, Maisel, the same thing, although it feels like it's been done before... I don't think it's. I, I've never. I don't think I've ever seen a show where it's done quite like that. No, no, it's a very unique show. Yeah, <laughs> without, without, without spoiling anything yeah. about about yesterday, especially this this particular scene, what what it really what it really came through in the end hmm. of yesterday for me was just how special how special the Beatles are. Yeah, not were are how much the Beatles mean to people yeah. and and just how one way or another now that you've seen the film and you haven't one way or another the music was meant to be oh there it is you know what i mean yes one way or another right right that's a great point the music we were meant to have this music and yeah. this premise is we get the music without the four guys, or yeah. do we? I mean, again, I'm not spoiling anything in the film, but but I walked out of that movie going like like I started thinking about how people how how generations are introducing their kids to the Beatles. I can't tell you how many times over the years because a lot of people, you know, all my friends certainly know that I'm a Beatle maniac, and certainly all the uh, the the professionals in the business, the sure. publicists, my friends and colleagues, whatever, who who say, oh yeah, I just showed my uh, my kid Yellow Submarine, right. the movie Yellow Submarine. Mm-hmm. When I when they re-released Yellow Submarine in theaters a couple of years ago, I went and saw it at the Era Theater yep. at, in Santa Monica, and and all these people brought their kids. Yeah, I mean it was it was the it was just the greatest feeling. I mean, the Beatles are like Bach and Beethoven. Like five hundred years from now. People are oh. going to be listening to the Beatles, yes. studying the Beatles. That's if you know uh, climate change doesn't destroy the world. <laughs> well, here, so, okay, I, I, so, I'm trying to think of how to broaden this out because you, you're touching on a thing that I've been thinking about a lot, which is that there are certain cultural touchstones, and those that are that are sort of they're they're the air we breathe, they're the world that we live in, and the Beatles certainly for us growing up is one of them. And there's certain things that fall away, you know. And and so like where Elvis hasn't really fallen away, although maybe he is starting to a little bit, but maybe, you know, Fats Domino did or maybe, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis did or, you know, because over time as we're there's, you know, there was a time when you only absorbed the media. There was no media. It's like if a dude was playing a guitar in the room, that was the only media there was. Mm. And if there was no dude with a guitar, there was no there was nothing, you know. But then as soon as we could record things, then you could preserve things over time. And some of those things stuck. Mm-hmm. And some things are listened to and were the coolest thing in the world and they fade away. And over time, it's harder and harder for something that was from the 30s or the 40s mm-hmm. or the 50s to hang on. And what you're saying, which I tend to, is that the Beatles is going to hang on 500 years. Forever. Yep. Yeah. And there are other things that become less and less important generationally. And right now it's like, well, we're right at the age where the people who grew up with the Beatles at the, the Beatles age mm-hmm. are going to die. 
That's right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so the question is, and that's really the question is like, people don't really listen to Bing Crosby anymore. No. People do listen to Frank Sinatra, but I would guess that Frank Sinatra is falling off. Uh, you know, yeah, I know I you would be saying. upset. No, I, I, I disagree because uh, he has a serious XM station. So people discover Sinatra all the time. And not I think like if you, the Beatles. No, no, no. I'm not comparing the Beatles or Sinatra. I think they're both uniquely different because Sinatra is a standard vocal singer. Mm -hmm. Amongst that, no one touches him. No sure. one. Amongst pops, in my opinion, pop bands, no one touches the Beatles. And so they, they each own their corner of the market. I think people will always have a desire for vocals and standards because there's a way that Sinatra sang that music that no one else can sing it. And I think the same with the Beatles. There's a way the Beatles sang that music that people rarely match. I would say Marvin Gaye's version of Yesterday is maybe the greatest version I've ever heard. Ray Charles? This, uh, no, no, Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye's he, Yesterday? He did Yesterday. Uh, and if you've never heard his version no, of Yesterday, it, it will snap you in half. It will wow, snap I you never heard his version in half. Yesterday. Um, it is the, the, he finds this, the sadness of the loss and he's singing. I'm at not, the time. this is the thing. I'm not saying it's not great. No, no, I know. I'm saying, I'm saying, well, will, will Jax's generation, my kid's generation or the next yeah. generation find Marvin Gaye's yesterday? I don't think they will. Oh, no, no. Right, I'm right. saying the Beatles music they'll find. I'm saying it's rare that right. people match the quality because of the way they sing it. There's something they bring to it that no one else can bring to it. And it endures in a way that reaches general and. This is why the Beatles still get passed on generation to generation. You talk about them bringing their kids, they're going to carry it forward. I think with Sinatra, that's lesser, and you make a good point, Steve. Less people bring their kids to see Sinatra, but old people are passing down Sinatra as much as possible through records or CDs to their kids, to the ones who want to know about Sinatra. And, and speaking of, yeah, it's you a brought smaller up the Sirius channel. Glad you brought up the Sirius channel because I've yeah. been listening to that a lot. Yeah, uh, and the Sinatra one, at Sinatra, and I'm just like, wow, what a what a world that that what uh, the whole world is open of for me mm -hmm. for, because I like you know I just knew like the hits you know shut up and play the hits but right. there's a whole there's a, like I mean that that channel and Sirius it's fantastic but I see what you're saying and I and I do agree that sure there's there's always going to be uh, moving forward uh, a, a a portion the a following a fan base that will 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 continue to carry the torch of Sinatra through but like when you look at like the Beatles like how popular mm -hmm. they they still are i mean it's been uh you know this year 19 uh, uh the 2019 will be the 50th anniversary of abbey road and um so you're 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 talking about the the uh you know the the the, the beatles are starting to wrap up okay but i just remember just a few years ago five years ago yeah. we were celebrating the 50th anniversary mm -hmm. we were just just celebrating the 50th anniversary of when the Beatles came to America for yeah, the very yeah. first time. Just five years ago, I, those lovable mop tops yeah. played at Sullivan, and now it's just five years, and we're, we're going to be celebrating the Beatles' second to the last album. The you last know, album that they recorded as a band. You know what I think changes it? Uh, is that, so when I started listening to music, we were talking about in our last podcast, we're recording things in on a cassette. So I recorded, my sister had the Beatles albums and I took my little cassette player mm -hmm. and I put the record player on the record or the record on the record player and I took my cassette and I put it next to the speaker to record the Beatles albums. Mm -hmm. It was very high tech. And I probably still have a couple of them in that cabinet right there. Is that so, but what happened was I had the Beatles and I had Simon and Garfunkel and Bob Marley and Billy Joel and, you know, a few other things and, and the monkeys and I listened to those cassettes over and over and over again 
because that is all I had. Mm -hmm. That was all the music. So those songs, the number of times I heard, you know, Sgt. Pepper or Let It Be or Revolver is in the hundreds. Mm -hmm. People growing up today, they have all songs at all times. Yeah. They will never, ever listen to songs as many times as I listened to those songs at that time. Right, because you it was more limited when you had, had those songs. Right, that was all you mm. had. Right, right. Yeah, but... I think that's what speaks even more volumes to the enduring nature of the Beatles is they will stand out even I, I, with more I, quality. I, I, I'm not trying to more make this a, a discussion about the Beatles. I'm actually yeah. thinking about how much drops away. Like I'm thinking about. Oh, no, like, I get your point. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get your point, but I'm saying the Beatles will never drop away because I, I think there's, maybe that's so. Oh, I think it's a, oh, Mozart hasn't dropped away, and that was two centuries ago. Sure. So to me, I think the Beatles are like that. You compare them, no, Buck. I agree. I think I agree. they're untouchable. You know, all it, music could die, and if you still have the Beatles. Music still, music would still matter. The the uh, the whole reason I subscribed to the Sirius Channel mm. was because of the Beatles yeah. channel. Right. On May eighteenth, two thousand seventeen. Right. I remember when I, when I saw that that dropped. I get well. I guess I'm getting Sirius XM. Right. And I and Channel eighteen and and the the three the three big takeaways for me for Sirius XM are definitely the Beatles channel and the Sinatra channel. Mm. But I I love the Grateful Dead channel. I yeah, there's a Grateful Dead channel. The Grateful Dead channel. There's a Jimmy Buffett channel. Yeah. Elvis, uh, Springsteen. There's an Elvis channel, Pearl Springsteen Jam. channel. You I know. think Springsteen will endure as well. I don't yeah, think Springsteen Tom will Petty. ever leave. You know, it's funny because I, I, right? I keep trying to ask this question. I keep not doing it the right way because my question <laughs> isn't about the Beatles. Actually, what my question is about is what are the things, maybe I'll put it this way. <clears throat> Sorry. What are the things that are important to you that are dropping away? I think that's more oh. the thing. Oh. You know what I mean? Like you said in our last podcast that the videotapes you owned were Rocky Three, Wildcats, Caddyshack, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there was one other. Uh, Rocky Three, Caddyshack, Broadcast News. Broadcast News. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like some of those movies are not going to be important. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they're not carried for even though they might right. be special to you right like for me like it's funny so i love the monkeys i thought the monkeys was <laughs> the greatest tv show in the world the first record out real records i had were the monkeys which i bought at a garage sale for 25 cents and i played them over and over and over again and when i recorded the cassette it were the, the they had scratches on the record so the song you know she had it went she she she, she and then skipped part of a verse and then played it and that's what i had on the cassette for years, so that's how I heard that song. Now, I tried to show my son an episode of The Monkees, and he looked at it and was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. You know, and so it's like, oh, this is not, this won't move forward. The Monkees, it's not that some people, there are a couple of good songs, but that's, and I'm not saying that The Monkees is important art. Right. I'm saying, oh, that's a part of my childhood that will fade away. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Point. Yeah, I, so so what, what's something that you love that you feel is, is sort of slipping away? I, I don't know if there's anything that i love that i feel that's slipping away in terms of media or art this is a very interesting question that's you bring a great it, question it's actually put me in a lot like because you always you're always known for asking these interesting questions steve amongst our group of friends steve's always known for asking these interesting questions and we go into these long philosophical discussions um but i think what i feel is slipping away is the idea of right and wrong the concrete idea of right and wrong is what I feel is slipping away more than anything there. else. Yeah, that's the I that's, was talking about the monkey. Yeah, I know. And I respect <laughs> that. I respect that. And I just feel like I can I can endure the loss of just about any Based thing. on yours, I have another one. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I can endure just about the loss of anything. Um but uh I think that's the big thing that I feel is starting to 
disappear is this understanding and concrete belief of right and wrong as we become more consumed with this idea of fake news and biased reporting and and more people buy it as more uneducated people buy it or more people who are more than willing to agree with that point of view without investigating it for fear of questioning their own construct i find um we're losing uh one of the basic core tenets of what made us so unique as a country and we're devolving back into the rest of the countries from the past that uh, were lost because they became this. We're losing our ex- exclusivity in my that, that's a that's heavy, and I see your point, and I do agree with it. Uh, uh bring, yeah, bringing it back to to like entertainment. Yeah, uh, this there's two things that I think are slipping away, and you know one of them I'm very very close to. She's so heavy, man. She's so heavy. She's so. Um, for me, you know. As a lifelong, <laughs> as a lifelong Star Trek fan, oh, okay, as a and and holding the original series above the rest, really being the gold standard. The interesting thing is, so now you know you have Star Trek Discovery, which just wrapped its second season. Mm. You have this nut, this uh, show in development, Star Trek Picard, right, uh, which picks up twenty five years after you know. Uh, Picard left the bridge of the Enterprise. You have all these other shows in development and things in development, but people are forgetting the original series. Yeah, people are forgetting the original series. I changed my I, answer, Scott. I I, I feel like I, I feel like Your, yours is a hell of an answer. But, but I a, like this answer. This is more the, the here's and it's a it's a real we're sort dying. Of, what the original series yeah. people don't care. They 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 look at it and they just think it's dated they, they dated it. and cheesy. But they don't realize that it's the best written show of the of them all and because we don't, and we don't have anything Star Trek without it. That, no, you don't. You don't have you don't have uh, Enterprise or yeah. Voyager or or definitely not not even Discovery. Nothing or next uh, or the JJ movies. You know, yeah. but. You know, the back in the day, you know, 1966, no one knew what a Star Trek was. They didn't have a big budget. What they had were great stories and great acting. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, especially because, you know, I go to these conventions every year in August in Las Vegas, and less uh, every year the uh, the uh, uh, um, the TV quotient of the original series drops further and further off. People are. are 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 uh, the fans of the original series do not even matter yep. to CBS now because all they they're putting all their their eggs in one basket with these newer shows. The other thing that I think is really slipping away, and I'm sure you guys will agree with this: classic movies. You know, the yeah. failure of of Filmstruck after just two years. Yeah. You know that was a that was a well, travesty. And, and this is what I mean by like the me carrying yeah. that cassette around, as opposed to here are all things all the time. Yeah. You know, and and it's like for us when we grew up, and you and I are almost exactly the same age. That Star I'm only Trek a year behind you guys, a year or two. Yeah. That Star <laughs> Trek that came on at five o'clock in the afternoon for me on yep. Channel Two. That was it. Yep. Like that. There wasn't. It wasn't. Nothing was competing for my sci-fi dollar. Right. That's it right. wasn't like there was tons of Marvel movies and. You didn't science. have eight hundred channels. I didn't have. It's like yeah. this was all of it. it. And so I watched those episodes over and over and over again. And that I can't again. I, I was thinking like, how am I going to introduce my son to Star Trek, original Star Trek? And I was like, oh, I'm going to show him the trouble with Tribbles. That's why I finally came up. Hey, that's for for he his got age. Four, five minutes in, he's like, this is so boring. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and, and the reality is, is that if you were to show him all the 
other things that he sees right. with amazing special effects and fast moving compared to a Marvel movie. He, he's not going to watch it. Well, and, and, and this is the thing about it, too, is, is that in a weird way, it's the, you know, oh, a, a, a part of me is ceasing to be relevant, I think, as you grow older. Wow. Yeah. You know, because this. Who got heavy now? Well, and, and, yeah, it's, it's funny. So here's what I was, this is what I was just thinking of sitting here. So my dad was a stamp collector. He was a philatelist. Wow. He started collecting, stamps. he started collecting stamps at 11 years old. And I think he had philately stamp collecting merit badge when he was a boy scout and he collected them his whole life. And at night, you know, after, you know, we did whatever, he went back up to upstairs and he would sit at a TV table like this and would go through stamp collections and he would put on the little stickers and he would put them in his album and he would put the album in the thing and he had a which he did for 60 years or almost 60 years and his collection we had a whole closet in my mom's house which was like if you look over there where my comic book collection is he had that shelf and that shelf and a whole other shelf that was solidly stamps Wow. he had i think every american stamp from about 1860 Holy wow. Toledo. And and it wasn't that he he never bought like the really like this is a $20,000 stamp, but he had this huge, huge collection. The point where he would go and buy other collections and incorporate them into his collection oh. and then sell what he didn't want back. And he did this for years and years and years. My goodness. And when he died, he gave instructions of what to do with the stamp collection because he knew none of us wanted it. And he said, you're going to go to this dealer and he's going to sell it. And he gave us an estimate, which was a lot of money of this is what this stamp collection is worth. Yeah, It was worth a tenth of that. Yep. And the reason it was worth a tenth of that, and maybe, maybe 20%. 20%. And the reason was because there are no stamp collectors anymore. Right. Wow. Because they're all dying out. Because people don't collect stamps. When he was in 1950, mm -hmm. and he was, that, that was a thing that kids did, was you collected stamps or coins or things like that. People don't have hobbies like that anymore. Very few. Because we have video games, and we have other th things, you know? And so this whole thing that my dad literally devoted his life his life to was actually not worth anything it was like obsolete it was obsolete well, that's that's yeah but that's that's, that's happening and and by the way just the, the point you, you were making yeah. about you know my my star trek uh, was on at seven o'clock right uh every night uh in the in the mid-70s and then it then they put it on at 11 30 at, at night yeah yeah it was on 11 30 i was on saturday in the morning on channel oh. 20 saturday at 10 a.m in the morning they would show them right after wrestling Right after professional wrestling, then Star Trek would come. Wow, out. that's crazy! And you, so that I, it's why I became an addict to both of those things growing up. Um, I would agree. I, I think too, the Star Trek thing is dying. I think classic movies. As you hear people, like I listen to these young people talking to me about uh, how Young Guns two and the huh? X Men films and these kinds of things, and I ask them about classic movies, and a lot of them haven't seen it. Yeah. Yet they think they can tell you what's a good movie and what isn't a good movie. To me, if you haven't studied the classics, I, you don't have a fucking thing to say to me about what's good and what isn't good in a the theater. You don't. Well, I they don't can say what, what they like. They, uh, I, said they, I didn't say they can't say it. Right. I said they don't have a fucking thing to say to me. Because I won't listen to your opinion if you're showing me this uh, uh, bargain rate garbage. People try, to compare, people try to tell me Tombstone is one of the greatest westerns ever made. And I'm like, Tombstone. isn't that your partner, Matt Nose? Yeah, no, no, he doesn't say it's like one of the greatest westerns. But it's just... I believe he picked it over like Citizen Kane or something in one of your top ten shows. <laughs> he probably did. Uh, Not over... It was over Schindler's List, I think. Right, right. Tombstone. 
But that's it's that kind of thing. It's like, well, then I don't trust your. I just don't trust. If you don't right. have a basis, if you haven't watched classic movies and studied classic movies, then you don't understand the medium. You don't. I'm sorry, you don't, and you don't understand why it endured and why people ha- love movies as much as they do. You can love movies, but if you don't ex- investigate the genesis of the medium. To me, I don't know what you've got to say. Like me, I would never school somebody on music. Never. Because I didn't study music the way I studied films. And I would never say to somebody, oh, this is a bad song because of this, this, and this. You know, the technique and the breakdown of the song. Would never say that because I would say it's not bad. I don't like the song for me. But with films, I think you have to have that. And I think we're losing that with film criticism. As as, As we become more and more obsessed with, like, and I do the medium of YouTube. This is where I make my bones. But I have done the legwork of watching classic films, studying classic films, reading Pauline Kael interview reviews, rather back Roger Ebert reviews, Leonard Malton reviews. I mean, I've done that so that I can speak about it knowledgeably. But I see people walk into the sphere who have no basis of this, and that scares me because that's starting to become the norm, and people aren't watching classic movies anymore. Or not watching. I, I don't. I mean, I just feel like I, I, so. Or even foreign films. That's what Criterion is. That's why I push Criterion so much. People don't rediscover those. Yeah, but I just I do feel like you know the people who watched like Turner Classic movies, like you're not going to get young people. You're not going to get Gen Yers or Gen Zers or millennials. But why did we? Why did we, as young people, watch it? Was it because it wasn't enough? There wasn't a lot of choice. There wasn't a lot of competition. Well, and and I think because um, well, and also because more and more those the young generation has become the profit drivers of the whole. Yes, you know, and so it's like, and so they are being served to like. And, it, you know, it's this weird, you know, what I always forget the name of it, but the snake eating its own tail yeah. Um, yeah. is that is that they go, oh, we're going to give you what you want in order for you to tune into us. And so we continue to think, oh, this is what you seem to like. We'll give you more of that. Yeah. And that's a non-challenging way of doing things. We had a lot. We had three channels. Yes. So once we were done watching those things, well, I watched the Bowery Boys and I watched Abbott and Costello and I watched because that's what there was. And then that got me interested in the other stuff. I mean, I think the thing, and I, and, and I mean, both of you make your money as film critics. It's not how I make my money, but like to me, like the, I'm not very interested in hearing 17 people's takes on the latest Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't well, interest me at all. Is that in terms of criticism, I'm interested in the Peter Bogdanovich, Francois Truffaut, you know, like the, like the thought. I, someone who can teach me something, I am interested. Yeah. I like to learn stuff. I'm not interested in just that dude's opinion that's, about it. That's thing. where it's going. I mean, yeah, this summer alone is a big red flag yeah. that the film business is in. Is in uh, going through a, a massive transition. First of all, you have Disney buying Fox, and yeah. then you have the the. Yeah. Uh, l- let's look, look at look at the summer. With the exception of Avengers Endgame, John Wick three, and Aladdin, the summer has been a disaster. Yeah. Because on one hand, Godzilla, Dark Phoenix, Ben and Black International, Shaft uh, are all not doing well. I didn't even realize Nor Shaft should come they. out. Yeah, it came out this past weekend and made $7 million. Uh, nor should those movies do well because they're bad. But, you know what? Long Shot with Charlie's Theron yeah. was a great movie. Booksmart, uh, which is like a super bad with two girls yeah. instead of two, two guys, uh, is a terrific movie. And then uh, this past weekend, Late Night yeah. with uh, Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling, terrific film. Those movies did not do well. And 
everyone. Why is that? Why do Why do you think they don't do well? Be, well, they don't have big enough stars, and even though Charlize Theron is a is a yeah. she's she's mm-hmm. a star, but she's not. You know, if she was wearing a superhero outfit, it'd be different. But I do think that the streaming services are starting to mm. affect the box office. That's a great point. Like, for example, so Late Night, uh, sorry, a long shot Charlie Theron movie opened the weekend after Avengers. Now, you could look at that, be Lionsgate thinking, okay, well, you know, it's the weekend after Avengers, and it's counter-programming. It's a romantic comedy, not a superhero movie. But I know a lot of people, especially people back east, uh, that where where I was where I was grew up in Philly, who did not go to the movies to see Longshot because they didn't want to deal with the crowds of people and the parking for the people who were still going to see Avengers. They stayed away, and and what are they doing? Like I mean, even if if I just had Netflix and nothing else, I still wouldn't be able to keep up with everything that they that that they drop, like. Uh, Much uh, of which is good. Uh, well, Black Mirror is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Black Mirror is phenomenal. Uh, when they see us yes. uh, is is terrific. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, you great. know they, but they have all these other shows. Uh, 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 Dead to Me and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Always Be My Maybe and like I can't even keep up with Netflix. Well, and th- this is the thing is that I don't think I think that there's, there's a it's like a, a, a two part thing that happened. The, and the, the second part is that the streaming services have put out so much great content, like, ama- like amazing things in all sorts of genres, science fiction and drama and all this stuff. I think, but you have to go 10 or 15 years earlier is that Hollywood movies abdicated adults. They said, we're not really, we're not in the drama business. We're going to stop making romantic comedies. We're not making any of this other stuff. Is that we're going to put, and yeah, we'll make a couple of them. But, you know, it used to be that they would do a wide slate of films and that their A pictures were the dramas, were Lawrence of Arabia and Bridge on the River Kwai and Amadeus and these kinds of movies. That's where we're, that's where those are really important to us. And the less important ones are the science fiction and the action, all of which I love. And now what they've said is, the our whole business is based on creating a universe and that and we don't care about anything else and so for 15 years they have trained grown-ups that the movie theater is not for you and then the streaming service come along and say hey we care about you we're going to have intelligent complicated challenging well-made stuff and so they're like yeah i'm gonna stay home i got episodes of uh, i can't tell you how much tv karen and i have not watched i know well it's it's overwhelming and i feel like but but for for most people who have these streaming services, and I say Netflix because they're like you know way out in front as the disruptor, is you've got all this quality content, and it's like eight episodes or ten episodes that all drop at once, or you can go spend fifty bucks uh, uh, to go see a shitty movie. Yeah. Well, there's no contest. I'll stay home and just watch quality content at home because. I don't have to deal with the crowds and I don't have to deal with the expense and the stale popcorn and the parking and the people on their on their freaking phones texting while the movie is going on. It's it's uh it's I think by the end if things don't turn around and there's there's still a chance for things to turn around, you know, Spider Man Far From Home is opening July second, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's ninth movie is July twenty sixth. You got uh Calvin and Hobbes, the uh, Fast and Furious movie. It's right. Hobbes and Shaw. Hobbes and Shaw. Hobbes and Shaw. I call it, I I call got, it Calvin and I Hobbes. I got so excited for a second. I was like, there's a Calvin and Hobbes movie? <laughs> yeah. I I'm in. It, is there Fast a and Furious, I'm in. Fast and Furious presents 
Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I, um, there, there is, uh, uh, if, if this, the end of the summer rolls around and things don't turn around, then a lot of the pundits, a lot of uh, film experts and critics and stuff are going to—they're going all going to be writing about how uh, the box office is in is in trouble. Well, this is what I think is uh, also happening. Is a little bit of more nuance. Is these superhero films are what they are. Um, stuff like what Marvel does, though. Marvel incorporates actual emotional journeys for their characters to go sure, on. Absolutely. It isn't just wearing the costume. So there is enough there to keep people like me who love uh, films that explore deeper themes uh, uh, there because it's almost an afterthought that they're superheroes, right? It's still part of the movie, but it's not like the only reason to go. There's great actors like Robert Downey Jr. Mark Ruffalo, fantastic independent movie actor, uh, in playing these roles and bringing these characters to life. Um, so there's so enough to keep you there. But that being said, I think you make a great point, Steve. 15 years ago, ten, I think Gone Girl was the last year where dramas could bring people out to the theater and it would be water cooler discussion. 14. 2014. 2014. So now you don't have that anymore. Now these films... People aren't desperate to run out and see it because they're not talking about it at their office or at their school or whatever. It's the Marvel movies. It's the all the other bigger things that people are talking about. So they go, you know what? I'll wait till it comes out streaming. I'll exactly. wait till it comes out on because I can watch it at home and enjoy it and blah, blah, blah. And that point brings in your point, Scott. I don't have to go to the theater, endure that all that craziness. There's a reason why MoviePass came up. There's a reason why AMC Stubbs is around now because people don't pe – they're trying to encourage people to go to the movies because I think the viewership, the number of people going to the movies is going down. The money, the tickets go up, but the number of butts in seats right. is going yeah, down. Yeah, the attendance is down. The attendance is down because people are like, well, I can watch it at home in three months. The all the all that's not the big movies, and it used to be that the dramas and the big comedies, those were the things you had to go see. Now it's the event films you have to go see, and you're right, the industry is changing. I don't think we're going back. I don't think we're going back. I think it's changed permanently, and I think because these streaming services have come in to provide a home for these other films that we would have normally gone to the theater to see and talk with our friends, we can now watch it at home and text with our friends as we're watching oh, it's 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 uh uh it's just unbearable to to think that that you're at home supposed to be watching something and you're sitting there on your phone you're checking your email you're texting people do that it's yeah it's just just watch the damn movie and there is a lot because i just started yellowstone this week on the paramount network right app that show is incredible it's the best I, show I've seen in a long time. I don't know what time. the hell I'm going to do. I haven't watched Chernobyl. I hear oh, everyone says it's phenomenal. Says it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things where it's like, you know, I mean, we do the cinephiles. Yeah. I have a kid. I have a job. Like, I don't know how people watch how do all this people stuff. like like listen again? Like, if you just want to watch Netflix, you can't keep up with everything that they're right. dropping. But then you have Paramount. You have HBO Go and Showtime and, Hulu, and uh, FX. Prime. And you have Hulu, Amazon Prime. Right. And then by the end of the year, you're going to have Apple Plus and oh, Disney right. Plus. Yeah. And, and Disney I mean, Plus yeah. is going to, like right now, Netflix is like the shit. Yeah. You know, that's going to change. Plus. 
Disney Plus is going to change. It's yeah. go, they're going to change the playing field in a very, very, very big way when and, they drop. But this is another thing that's going to happen is that we're going to run out of money because the because oh, yeah. it was like I cut the cord. So did I. You know, four years ago, and four and I did a because I'm a nerd and I did a spreadsheet to see well how much money are we spending on Directv at this moment and what would it cost if we got rid of Directv and did everything through Netflix and Hulu and iTunes and stuff like that and it figured out that we would save i think it was $1700 a year yep. wow. it was a huge amount of money and and be able to see everything sports would be the only problem but i right. don't really watch a lot of sports so it That's wasn't always nice to have cable yeah so so but now well, now you also need to describe, subscribe to CBS All Access. And now you're also going to have to subscribe to Apple and to Disney and to WB and to Paramount. You know it, you're gonna, and it's like, no, it's going to be so much yeah, money. You're going to be paying what you were paying for cable. And it's going to be where, where we're to, the whole point was like to make it less convenient or more convenient. It is now going to once again be less convenient. At a certain point, there's a breaking point. because, And I understand that. You know, what happened when Apple and iTunes launched in terms of music and how unhappy the record companies have been because they gave, essentially, you can have everything. And that Disney and all these companies are going, oh, we don't want to make that mistake again. We want to control our own content and make our own money. But it's just making our lives really complicated. And you can look at DC Universe, which is just about to get folded into the Warner Brothers stream as a perfect example of that. A lot of people did not sign up. The numbers that they had, were hoping for did not sign up for DC Universe. $10 a month or whatever it was. And they killed Swamp Thing after one episode, which pretty much puts Titans and Doom Patrol now on Death Watch. And what the rumor is is that they're just going to fold it into the Warner Brothers streaming service and just make it all one price because that's starting to happen. People are now starting to become selective about what apps or what streaming services they become a part of because what you said, Steve, the money is now becoming evident to them that it's becoming even more expensive than cable. And now there's these rumors going around that some uh, streaming providers are going to bundle their things all together for one price. So we're back at cable land all over again. Just in a different way. The king is dead. Long live the king. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. I wrote a I wrote a blog back when I wrote a blog. Yeah. Years and years ago about killing the networks, and it was long before all these services. We didn't have all these streaming services and all that stuff yeah, then. Yeah. And what my what I said then, which I still believe, but but none of society seems to believe, is that we actually don't want a network. I want shows that I like. Mm-hmm. We have loyalty. It's like, I don't care about HBO. I want to watch Game of Thrones and Last Week Tonight. And these yeah. are the things I want to watch. Just let me. And, and, and I always was bothered, like, you know, because I come from the creative side of like, why are all these middlemen between the person who's making the thing yeah. and the person who wants to buy the thing? I just want to buy the thing from the person who's making the thing and have them make all the money. And I understand that why distribution has to happen, even though technologically there is no reason for it. We don't have distribution for the podcast. We are directly creating our thing and selling it to people. True. Or not selling it to people, but they can support us on Patreon. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like I, I, the, the idea that there are these um, uh, gatekeepers who control our access to the thing. Like somebody wants to sell me their show and I can't get it unless I pay Disney a lot of money for all of the other crap that they have that I don't want. Right. You know, but that's what Apple TV is for. You can buy just Game of Thrones and watch. You could, but you're paying a lot of money 
which in the end you might as well have just ordered that's HBO. Just get anyway. HBO Go. Anyway, that's exactly yeah. it. But but you know I I with all of the content that's out there. First of all, I mean I I'm just trying to I'm just trying to keep up with all the movies that I have to see. Me too, man. And and it's I hard. I still you know don't get to see everything. And I, I don't and keep I, up. I mean, you guys have to. I you don't know, do but it. I I mean, look, I mean, I love doing it. I'm not definitely not complaining about that. But as a result, so so I have at Netflix, I have Amazon, I have Hulu, and. So when I, with the rare night that I do, you know, just crash at home and I put on the TV and I turn on, open up the Netflix queue and I start scrolling down, then scrolling across and scrolling down, scrolling across, looking for something that's going to like jump out at me. And in the end I say, fuck it. And I watch Star Trek. <laughs> me too. I do it all the time. You know? I just watched Devil in the Dark. Devil in the Dark. Great episode from the first there season, written by Gene Kuhn. It is one of the very finest just, episodes so, of Star Trek. Hey, by the way, there's a there's an interesting net bit of Netflix that I, I've read about, which is that they have what they try to have what they have on is called aspirational shows, which is shows that someone subscribes to Netflix because they know they're supposed to see, yeah. but nobody ever watches them. And so they have these heavy, serious documentaries, but you late at night don't go, I'm going to watch 12 Years a Slave or whatever whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you go, I'm going to watch Star Trek. And what they find is that what people put on their queue compared to what they actually watch are totally oh, different. Yeah. Like their is list? They, yeah, they on their list. They go, oh, I'm going to watch this documentary and this heavy drama and this important thing and this thing. Friends, let's watch some more Friends. Exactly, exactly. And, and yeah. I love that whole, like, we're going to pull you in with this, but we know you're actually going to watch that. It's the hunter-gatherer thing. I, I'm, yeah. I, I want to have all this just in case the world ends. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to watch all this. But... <laughs> Since the world's not ending anytime soon, I'm going to watch Friends. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. who doesn't like Friends? Exactly. Uh, I, I mean, but it's 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 true, and and I mean, you know, I I I'm ashamed to admit I've never saw Game of Thrones, not one episode. Oh my god, not one oh. episode. Oh. I know, I missed they out. Make didn't you? I? I didn't know they made you. I yeah, I'm the one. I'm the one percent who has never seen an episode of Game of Thrones, uh, but but I you know it was like the same time at the same time that everybody was was on social media talking about Game of Thrones, everyone was on social media talking about Avengers Endgame. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I saw that, so I didn't completely miss out. Yeah. There you go. So, um, this is a conversation that had no plan. <laughs> it went an entirely different direction than I expected, and it was great. Great conversation. Agreed. I really enjoyed it, Scott. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Steve, I am so happy that you watched Devil in the Dark. That is just one of the very, very best Star Trek episodes. It is a and fantastic here's episode. some food for thought for you. Devil in the Dark was from the first season, written by Gene Kuhn. There's an episode in the second season of Star Trek called Metamorphosis. Oh, yeah. Okay? Another good episode. That episode is also written by Gene Kuhn. If you take Devil in the Dark, take just sort of a very loose premise of it, right. turn it into a love story, and it's Metamorphosis. So here's why. So they don't, you know, Kirk and Spock, they don't know what this thing is that's killing all the miners on Jaina 6. So they're going, they got to kill it. But then they realize that the Horda is a mother protecting its eggs. Mm -hmm. So it flips the episode over and they become sympathetic and empathize and try to save the Horda. Second season, they don't know what the companion is, but they got to kill the companion so they can get Commissioner Heifer back to the Enterprise so that, that she can stop the war on Gamma Canera 6. So... Uh, but when they realize the companion is a female, 
it love. changes yeah. and in love with the man it changes the course of the episode and the way Shatner uh, is is try you know his performance as Kirk in that episode the way he tries to reason with the companion saying well, if you don't let us go we will cease to exist I think that is like Shatner's finest performance as Kirk in the original series so I don't know why I just sort of went off on that well, but I did and and I'm always bringing it back to Star Trek. Well, so, Steve so and just because we were wrapping up, but just because he said yeah. that, I want to say one more thing, yeah. which is I think I think that way back when we did Wrath of Khan, I said that deep down, I think uh, comic books and Star Trek are the most influential things on me as a writer and as a person. Mm. And what you're describing in Devil in the Dark and the Companion and in Balance of Terror and a whole bunch of other Star Treks, the essential Star Trek philosophy is that those things that we think are evil are actually things we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, is what Star Trek is That is so core to my way of looking at the world to the point where I irritate, I got labeled years ago by my friends as a contrary fuck because they said, <laughs> at one point they said, we were giving out uh, mutant powers. It was just a joke when we were in college of like we, we had a friend if he started singing someone would automatically turn the radio on, up and they're like oh that's your mutant power if you sing people will turn radios on but another friend if you're playing a video game and you and you were doing really well he said hey you're doing really well you would immediately die his mutant power was that he had the kiss of death it was the cooler um is that and that they said and later on they said to me oh you're a contrary fuck if anyone brings up one point of view you will automatically bring up the opposite point of view <laughs> and that was very hurtful to me at the time and i thought it was very true and i had to go through a lot of personal growth to think about like wait why am i doing this thing it took me years to turn off that instinct but at the heart of part of that instinct is that star trek thing is that i'm constantly thinking about well what is that other person thinking mm-hmm. why is why, the other person doing that that's why star trek discovery doesn't really work as star trek because they they there's they, they've jettisoned that a bit they they, they it's, you know there's the as the star trek shows have gone on and on They've they've talk talk about bringing it back to the whole, you know, conversation here about about what what are we losing? People the, the the newer producers of Star Trek are losing sight on what made Star Trek Star Trek to begin with, and and Star Trek Discovery is a very good science fiction show, but it doesn't really it it doesn't speak to me like the like the original series and the next generation did I'll the agree. two shows that Jane Roddenberry actually produced as much as I enjoy the, the second season of Star Trek Discovery. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. I think it's, it doesn't affect me the way that original series does, or even the best of TNG, which I'm not the biggest fan of TNG, but the best of TNG affected yeah. me more than anything Discovery's done so far. Well, and just to bring all of this together, we've talked about the Beatles who cared about bringing ideas through music. We talked about criticism that is light and doesn't deal with classic films and understand the core of things and that we're all interested in the ideas. We talked about Star Trek and its ideas. We've talked about what Hollywood is putting out films that are light and don't have the content and the depth of things that maybe are on the streaming services that we care about. And we're here on the cinephiles where the whole purpose of our show is to dig in deep to the movies that we love so i think this actually was a perfect episode of the cinephiles and scott thank you so much for coming thank on the you, show Steve, thank, thank you johnny thank if you. people wanted to reach you how would they do it just uh follow me on twitter at movie mance or go to my website moviemance.com. yeah uh you can follow me at the rogue says on twitter and on instagram and all the shows i'm doing like the top 10 uh and buddies. Geek buddies the geek buddies which is a new one please go find that one and we're going to dig in deep with Scott Mance in a couple of weeks. We're digging deep to this very, uh, you know, uh, complex 
layered film called Airplane, the movie. Oh! <laughs> I can't wait till we do that. Yeah, and Surely I think... you can't be serious. <laughs> I am serious, and that, Don't call me and that is the end of The Cinephiles. Cinephiles.